Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. So tonight we begin our topic for the month of August. How in the world is it August already? I've said that, obviously, over the last few days, and every time I'm like, I don't even understand, like, how did that happen? But it's August, people. It's August. And we are going to be looking into a very interesting subject, the subject of spiritual gifts. All right? Don't get nervous. I have a wonderful book to be our guide, this one and this one. All right? Um, But the book we're going to be using, I feel especially confident in in light of this topic this month because it is written by our general superintendent, Dr. David K. Bernard. And if you do not know, he is the head of the organization that this church has been a part of since its genesis. The United Pentecostal Church International is a growing body of Pentecostal believers, and Dr. Bernard is a very educated man, a very intelligent man, um, but he is also a very gifted leader. And the one thing that just kept resonating with me when I read this book was the great balance that he achieves of both inspiration and instruction. He was raised on the missions field. Um, He has very strong memories of his parents pastoring simultaneously different churches in different parts of that nation, lists of miracles and these gifts in action. And yet somebody like him with all of that life experience is directing us to the word of God throughout the text. And that is the safest place to get information. Amen. So whatever your perspective has been or not been, you know, maybe some things that you were taught you're just not sure about or you've never really looked into. Maybe some of you have had very positive experiences with spiritual gifts. It's a good thing. It makes you feel excited about being in the church. But I acknowledge that there are people who have not had good experiences with spiritual gifts. They've had weird experiences where it prompts people like John Bevere to write a book called Dig God really say that, you know, where you just wonder, I don't really know what's happening here. I wish somebody would help me. But Tom and I's prayer for this series is to give you content in the Word of God that will help you have a better understanding of what the gifts of the Spirit are and what God's design is for them within the church. Because here's the deal. Knowing something's purpose is vital to using it properly, and it's vital to have its full potential realized in your life. Okay? I want you to let that sink in for just a minute. Knowing and understanding the purpose of something is crucial to your ability to benefit from it and to see its potential fulfilled in your life, specifically in this idea of spiritual gifts. I'm certain that all of us have watched kids, either our own children or nieces and nephews, maybe you have memories of a child, of you using something in the house for something other than its intended purpose. Right? I mean, that's the stuff that family pictures and home videos are made of. Right? I thought of some examples in our home that I didn't feel comfortable sharing in this form. 
So I decided to go with a safe one that Audrey May loved to play inside the laundry basket. I don't know if it created some kind of imaginary fortress for her from Emma and her domineering personality or, or what it was, but those pictures are priceless. And I wouldn't change that, even though there were times I couldn't use the basket for its intended purpose. Audrey gave us great memories by changing that laundry basket into whatever it was that her imagination called for. But one of the first illustrations when I was studying that came to my mind, and I know you'll be shocked by this, is that of the little mermaid. And I realize that this does not make me seem credible or spiritual in this setting at all. And I'm totally comfortable with that because you know where I come from. I'm a Disney kid. I'm that crazy Disney mom at the parks with all the gear and all the pictures and all the magic bands. That's me. So, of course, Ariel comes to mind when I'm thinking about using things other than what their intended purpose. You probably know where I'm going with this. So Scuttle the seagull, right? He tries to teach her what it means to be human. And, and he's identifying objects for her. And you remember what she combed her hair with? Do you remember what Scuttle called it? A dingle hopper. See, I'm not the only Disney kid in here. Thank you, Sarah. Five points. And so... Poor Scuttle, he doesn't know what he's talking about, telling her about the human world. And poor Ariel, she's just taking in this information. And so then she's humiliated at the dinner table at the castle with Prince Eric because she's brushing her hair with a fork. If she had only known, actually, this is not to groom yourself, Ariel. This is a fork. That's what it's called. And its intended purpose is a utensil for eating. Very important information. To know what things are called and what they're for. Now, I know all of that is silly and juvenile, but it perfectly illustrates the first point that I want to make as we begin. And it is this. If we do not know... What the Bible says the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit are, it is not possible for us to use them correctly. It is also not possible, if we don't know what the Bible says, for the gifts to reach their full potential in us and in this church. Some would try to mystify and over-dramatize the gifts, and there are many possible reasons for that. Two that I want to present to you briefly are fear and pride. Both are not good things, according to the Bible. Some people speak in terms of mystery and uncertainty when the subject arises. Yet, Paul speaks in great detail about these spiritual gifts. He not only explains the why for the gifts, which is what we're going to talk about tonight, but he identifies some of them in very specific ways. In fact, Paul takes three chapters of his first letter to the church in Corinth to teach on the subject of spiritual gifts. And he also mentions them intermittently in other, uh, other letters. As we will see, Paul identifies what they are, what their proper use is, 
and also their improper use, which makes for very interesting reading for us. The second thing is pride. It is my personal observation that some people speak of the gifts of the Spirit in terms that imply that their distribution is exclusive. Just think about that for a moment. And that's simply not true. I've told you the story before about a person I was asked to discuss Scripture with. I was told this person had questions about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I was very excited and thankful for the opportunity to try to talk to them about the questions that they had and what they were reading in Scripture. But it didn't take me very long in the discussion to realize that I wasn't really part of a conversation I was a part of an ambush. And this individual sought to make themselves and their interpretation of Scripture more spiritual than the teachings of this local assembly. I know this because near what I decided would be the end of the conversation, this person said to me very confidently, I have all of the gifts of the Spirit. And it was then that I felt release in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) That the conversation was over, and frankly, I was done. End of discussion. And so Paul's teaching in the New Testament includes three different lists of gifts. So for those of you who are taking notes, I would advise you maybe to start here. The service gifts are listed in Romans 12. In Ephesians 4, the ministerial gifts are listed, what we commonly refer to as the fivefold ministry. And then 1 Corinthians 12 lists nine spiritual, supernatural gifts that God has granted to the church. Now, for clarification, these lists are not exhaustive. Meaning Paul did not write about every single phenomenon or gift that God operates in in the church. Rather, these portions of scripture Paul is illustrating to the people that are reading these letters and to you and I different ways the spirit of God moves and works in the local church. However, the gifts that we're going to look at in this series are identified by Paul specifically. Because Paul is trying to demystify the work of the Spirit. All right? And he's going to say it very plainly. We're about to read it in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul is essentially saying in the verses we're about to read, the work of the Spirit is something you should expect. It's going to happen when you get together. And this is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to sound like. And eventually in chapter 14, he says, and this is what it's not going to look like. And this is what it shouldn't sound like. So let's look together at what Paul shares in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now that's a very important statement. It's not a mystery, people. It's not something that you have to freak out about or feel like, you know what, I just don't understand it, that's it. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, 
I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Paul is essentially saying here, what is being said or what is being shared through these gifts will never be in conflict with the scripture. It will never be in conflict if it's really from God, from anything else that I've taught you. It's going to be the same. Verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To my dear friend who was so misguided, some are given to all, not all are given to a chosen few. Some are given to all, not all are given to some. Just a few holy few. All right? Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, and here's the key, for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to the other, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Now that's good, straight teaching right there. All right? The Greek word in this passage, one of the Greek words for the word gift here is charisma, which we get our word charisma from. Okay, now don't assume you know what I'm going to say because I said that though. The Greek word charisma is a word that is the same word used in, wait for it, grace. Now I bet you didn't expect me to say that. That grace is used in a word that identifies spiritual gifts. That is a powerful revelation. Because Paul immediately establishes in his teaching to the Corinthian church that these gifts that he's talking about, miracles and interpretation of tongues and faith and prophecy, all of these things are a direct result of God's grace to all of us. So let's consider what we know about grace in light of this great list. Grace is free. Grace is unmerited. Grace is supernatural. And grace is for everyone. Paul is saying God is the one who assigns these gifts. The Bible makes clear that all believers are important to the body of Christ. That every person that is a part of the church has an important role and function that all of us benefit from. Paul uses the analogy of different parts in our bodies. This idea of interdependence 
of the members of the church on one another. And so I want to establish that uh, reality in this first installment of this series that all of us are spiritually gifted. Hence the title for our series. This content that I'm going to go over and Pastor Tom is going to help me teach in the next couple of weeks is not for the benefit of a select few in this audience. We are teaching this very intentionally at Growth University because we believe it applies to everyone and anyone who would join us for our Wednesday night forum. Because the Bible tells us that the same Holy Spirit that you and I receive when we speak in an unknown language for the very first time, it is that Spirit that enables us to use and operate in these gifts as the need arises in the church. God releases access to these gifts when we are filled with the Spirit. And so that means these are not just for those with anointing like Pastor Tom or gifts like Diana Reed, or charisma like Anthony Henson. The gifts are for everyone. They're not just for the Eli Hernandezes of our movement. They're not just for the Billy Coles of the past. Paul's teaching here is very pragmatic, and I love this about Paul. Because he was a very powerful, anointed individual. He was highly intelligent. Just try to read some of his letters in King James English. I'm like, that is beautiful and profound, and I have no idea what that means. I mean, that is how I feel when I read some of the things that Paul wrote. But Paul breaks it down when he writes these letters and says, listen, this is how God operates in the church. A, B, C, D, E. This is what it is. And this is what it shouldn't be. And so the acceptance and use of the spiritual gifts of the Spirit is one of the unique components of the Pentecostal movement. A movement that we're a part of, amen? Because we believe that you not only experience the infilling of the Holy Ghost, but we believe that what Jesus promised his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power. That that... That promise was not just to those people that were standing there with Jesus that day. And that's one of the things that makes us unique is we don't believe that some of these things are just limited to the text of Scripture. We believe that the word of the Lord is settled forever in heaven. And so if Jesus promised them power after the Holy Spirit has come upon them, that he has promised us power from the Holy Spirit coming upon our lives. And so, as we conclude our introduction to this topic, I want to give you guiding principles that we must understand about the spiritual gifts, what they are and what they are not. Because our understanding of what the Bible says is crucial to our ability to using them correctly and crucial to our protection from using them incorrectly. So what does the Bible say the purpose of the gifts are? In John chapter 14, 15, and 16, I'm not going to read them, so just relax. Jesus referred, but please check my facts, referred to the Holy Spirit as the comforter or the helper. All right? 
And so Jesus is giving these amazing, very specific descriptions of the work of the Spirit in our lives because he wanted the disciples to know, number one, expect to receive it, right? And this is all the benefits. If you read John 14 through 16, you're going to be like, "Mm, thank you, Jesus, I have the Holy Ghost. And if you don't have it, you're going to be like, I need some of that in my life. It's a great list of what the Holy Spirit adds to our lives. John 16, verse 13, Jesus said, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. That's part of the work of the Spirit in our lives. Because he said in John 14, verse 17, that God's Spirit is the very Spirit of truth. Amen. So here are the ground rules for the spiritual gifts as written by Paul. Number one, the ultimate purpose of the spiritual gifts is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot read that incredible list of the nine gifts and not come to the realization that none of them are possible to attain on our own. We're not smart enough. We can't pray hard enough. These are gifts and abilities that come from Jesus Christ and their purpose is to exalt him and not us. I think this is easy, an easy trap for us humans to fall into because we have our ways, our carnal ways of gauging spirituality. Remember the John Christ video I showed you on pre-meal prayer? Whoever's the most spiritual, however that's determined or whatever, by office, whatever. Um, You know, that's how we gauge some of those things. But so far, what we do understand about the gifts is that God is the giver of them that he releases them to all believers, that the gifts are given for the exalting of Jesus Christ, and finally, that the gifts are for the benefit of everyone in the church. I want to look at it one more time. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, let's be honest. That is not the explanation that most of us would give. If someone asked us, what is the purpose of the gifts? What are you talking about? We would probably, if someone asked us, give some detailed description of a particular gift as we've seen it used or a specific person that we highly esteem and the way that the Lord uses them and has blessed their ministry with great uh, authority and manifestation. That's, That's probably what we would use to explain the purpose of the gifts. Now, all of that is good. We believe in demonstration, right? Jesus said these signs, these miracles would follow those that believe. So we understand it's a natural thing for us as believers. The work of the Spirit creates visible results, visible miracles and signs and wonders. That's biblical. But the anointed, powerful Apostle Paul says very succinctly, the gifts are for the good of the church. That's what you need to know. The King James Version calls it the prophet of all. And so honestly, how Paul explains the purpose and how we do are very different. We look at those used in these gifts as super spiritual, even highly favored individuals. 
But if you don't know, the church in Corinth was a pretty new young church. And clearly some gifts were being used. Why did Paul have to talk about it for three chapters? My guess is that these zealous, sincere new converts were maybe overdoing it a little bit. They had no pedigree in Pentecost. They had no history. They weren't like young Timothy, whose mother and grandmother raised him in the church. And so Paul is clearly addressing people who maybe aren't super spiritual, and yet God is using them in the gifts. And so, in truth, I think part of the problem for us is that for generations, um, this has actually been true even in this local congregation, that it's just a handful of people that we see used in a public forum in these gifts. And that's not a criticism. I'm just being honest with you. Okay? Number two, the second purpose of the spiritual gifts is to benefit the body as a whole. The immediate purpose of the supernatural gifts is to edify or build up the church. That's what Dr. Bernard says in this book. In other words, the exercise of the spiritual gifts should be governed by a consideration of how they benefit other people. Not, what are they going to think about me, good or bad. Not, man, I hope I get this right, I'm really, really scared, and I'm unsure. I feel very insecure in this moment, but the main concern is, is this going to help the church if I do this right now? And most of the time, that's a pretty easy question to answer. So from this, we understand that certain gifts are not limited to certain people. Certain gifts are not limited to certain people. Here is a revelation that I received from Dr. Bernard in this book. Gifts are used in response to the need as the Spirit leads individuals. Which means, I'm not going to go around and say, you know what, I have the gift of prophecy, and that's how God uses me. Well, that's not biblical, because what if I'm talking to somebody and I need a word of wisdom? Do I pause the conversation and say, I need to go find Tom because he's got the word of wisdom. So you just wait right here and we'll get you what you need. No. The spirit is mobile, right? The spirit's like the wind. We feel its effects. We know that it's moving. We can't identify it. We can't grab a hold of it necessarily, but it's happening. And so the gifts of the Spirit can change what we used to do or what God has used us in before. It may be different now because the need is different. Why would God limit himself? Why would God limit the church? Why would God put parameters on how much help people can receive? Based on, we need this gift and this gift, but not this gift. You go over here and you go over here because you have those gifts. No! That's man's version of God's way, which is always distorted and more complicated. Amen. Thank you. Glad I got to say that. All right. Finally, our last three points. Get ready for app time. It's going to be exciting. Finally, the spiritual gifts are not meant to, number one, 
The supernatural gifts do not replace the written word of God. Because only his word is infallible. Which means only his word is without error. And only his word does not change. And so if someone gives you a word, and it is in direct opposition to this word, then guess what? Not from God. They missed it. Try again later. Okay? All right. Because this is the litmus test for all of the gifts. God does not contradict himself. Not one time in his word. And so why would he trust his spirit to a bunch of human flesh and then just let us run willy-nilly saying whatever comes to our mind and saying the Lord said it? No. We test everything against the word. We need to be aware when someone tries to use the gifts as an authority or a platform to teach doctrine or to use it to give instruction in how someone should live their life. Back to John 16, verse 13, one of the verses that we read earlier, Jesus said the Spirit would illuminate what God has already revealed. The gifts are not designed, if you don't hear anything else I say, hear me now. The gifts are not designed to give you some new revelation that is not recorded in Scripture. That is never okay. That is never sanctioned by God because this is the authority on what says the Lord in any situation. Amen. More on that later when we look into tongues and interpretation and prophecy, which is going to be a very exciting night. Number two, the spiritual gifts do not replace spiritual leadership in the church. To be clear, they do not supersede the authority of a pastor. And this may come across to you as self-serving. I'm just teaching you the word of God to keep you safe. Ephesians 4 tells us that God gives pastors. There is no mention that God gives pastors and the word of prophecy. He gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's the fivefold ministry. That's leadership in the church. And so anybody that would come to you or come into this church and try to negate that office is not in the word of God. Amen. In this teaching that we're looking at in this series, Paul establishes the fact in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, one of my favorites, that God is not the author of confusion. He is the God of peace. And I'm sure many of us have had that experience in the church where we feel uncomfortable with what's going on. We feel like there's a little bit of confusion. We feel this uncertainty, this check in our spirit. And Paul talks about it. We'll get into it in another lesson where he says, judge it. Think about what's being said. Compare it to the word of God and judge it to see if it's actually from God. Because the correct use of the gifts, and if you're afraid of this, you have no need to fear. The correct use of the gifts will not bring chaos to the church. Because it is the operation of God's spirit, and he is a God of order. Amen. And the third and final thing, the supernatural gifts do not replace the daily guidance from God 
that we receive through prayer and submission of heart, mind, and will to him. These gifts can open our hearts and our minds to the will of God maybe a little bit more. I'm sure some of us have had that experience where maybe we're running away from God or we keep questioning, is this really from God? And we have a conversation. We're in a service. A sermon is preached and you're like, God, I hear you. It is in stereo all around me. That's part of the place of the gifts. But the gifts are not a free pass to not pray, to not fast, to not study, to not seek godly counsel, to not submit to spiritual authority. Gifts are meant to complement and help establish all of those things in your life. Sometimes we're waiting on a word from God, and God is waiting on us to obey his word. And that's always a good place to start. And so the supernatural gifts will never be in conflict with God's word. This is our safeguard. This is why I can get up here and teach and smile and be excited about this content. Because I know that if we teach you what the word of God says, and you obey it, and you submit to spiritual authority, and you obey the prompting of the Holy Ghost, only good things can happen. The church benefits. Paul says that people who are unbelievers will look around and say, God is in this place. God's doing a work because all of it is meant to glorify him and not us. And so this list of ground rules that I've given you are based on what the Bible teaches about the use and function of the gifts in the body of Christ. And if you have further questions or maybe as we get more into this series with some very specific teaching about these gifts and you have questions, we're going to go back to these ground rules and they will help every time. All right. So now it's app time. And what I want to know tonight is what was your first experience like with the gifts of the Spirit? If you can remember maybe what the gift was, did did you go to a Pentecostal church and somebody gave a message in tongues and you freaked out and walked out or whatever your experience was and giving you an opportunity to maybe be a little bit honest, maybe good or bad about your personal experience with the gifts. So I'm going to give you a few minutes here, make sure nobody's left out, and we'll discuss it among ourselves. All right. Oh, I would love to hear these conversations. Would love to know. You can stand with me.
So I just wanted to kind of tell you what to expect in the next three weeks. Um, next week, I'm going to be teaching on the gifts of revelation, which are wisdom, knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Week three, Pastor Tom will be teaching on the gifts of power, which is faith and miracles, healing, laying on of hands. And then we'll conclude with Pastor Tom teaching on the gifts of utterance, which is tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. So it's going to be a very interesting, hopefully thought-provoking series, and I hope you come to it with an open heart and an open mind because the Lord wants to make these gifts available to you as need arises in the church. And that's all it takes is a, a person who is yielded to the Spirit of God to say, God, whatever you want to do through me to help somebody else and to bring credit to you, then God, I'm willing to do that. I remember one of the last times that I remember Bishop Dad teaching on this subject. I, I, I don't remember the forum specifically, but I, I remember it was a teaching forum. And um, this topic was something that we prayed a lot together about for the Calvary Church. And it's something that we discussed a lot. And so I knew when he was teaching that it was a little uncomfortable for him. I knew it wasn't his favorite thing to talk about publicly just because people's experiences are very different. People's um, versions of what the scripture teach are very different. But I remember that day going up to him and saying, Dad, thank you for teaching on that. It makes me feel safe when you talk about these things. And so that is our desire, is to make you feel safe, that you understand what we believe, that you understand what we're trying to practice around here, and that you, part of our job, that we empower you to equip you for the ministry. That's what Paul said is part of our job as your pastor, is to say, you know what, this is what the Word of God says you're full of the Holy Spirit. Let the Lord use you in these ways. Because anything is possible because of God. Because of his work in our lives. No matter how um, familiar we are with these things, how long we've been in the church, or how little we've been in the church. The church needs the gifts. The church can benefit and will benefit when they are being used correctly. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, I love you and I praise you for your word that is clear to us, that is helpful to us. Lord, you don't just throw us in this spiritual abyss and hope that we figure it out or put us in a situation where we have to beg you for answers and for clarity. But God, in this particular topic, your word is full of instruction, parameters to keep us safe, things to help us know what to do, what not to do, how to know if something is from you, how to know when to do it or what to say. God, I pray that you would just cover this time in your word. I pray, Lord, I desire the spiritual gifts because that's what your word says. We should desire them. We should be open to them. We should pray to be used in this way because it glorifies you. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Bless us and keep us throughout our week. May we be ready for your imminent return. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for being here tonight. God bless you. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.